go. There we go. Whoa. You will not catch me singing. I hope you do catch Peach singing. Maybe at some point, but not not in episode two. You're not not this early. Joyful noise. Joyful noise. I, I make it in my heart. That's right. I make that joyful noise in my heart. That's right. Um, hey, welcome to episode two Dose. of the Bible Buffoons. We are bilingual here. We are. You are. <laughs> Maybe. I'm really, I'm you're really, really, not. really not. I'm not in any way. <laughs> no. Nah. Well, uh, we hope that you enjoyed episode one. And our episode zero, our intro episode, we are still in the middle of this I am statement mm-hmm. of Jesus founded John. Uh, we're going to throw you a little curveball. If you're yeah, kind of going. We told you a story last week. We told you, we, we fibbed a little bit. <laughs> we told you a little story. As we start looking at the seven I am statements of Jesus, one of the things that we ran into is you have, I am the bread, I am the light. And then you got these two that go together that are like, boom, boom. They are so close. The gate and the good shepherd. And so they're close in in proximity and they're close in, in theme and kind of like nature. Yes. So we, we're talking um, sheep. So we're not going to split those up. So our next episode, mm-hmm. we will talk about those two. So then we're going to jump ahead to 11. Yeah. And we're going to do the resurrection and life. So we're going to Oreo cookie it. We're going to do gonna eight Oreo. and we're going to 11. Yes. And then next week you're going to get the filling. You're going to get the fill in with it that. And so again, I feel like we have said this a bunch and we're saying this a bunch. Whenever you read God's word, we do a really good job at cherry picking verses, mm. don't we? Like, yeah. ooh, look at this one verse. And it's like, but did you read what it said before mm. it or yeah. after it? And so as we kind of go through these I am statements, that's one thing that we do is let's kind of take a few steps back and look at the context in which Jesus is talking. What is his environment? Where is he at? Is we he, want to set the scene. We want to set the scene. Is he on a hillside? Is he in a boat? Yeah. Is he in the temple? Where is he at? Because as you pointed out many times, and I think you're going to again today, Jesus is a brilliant teacher, and he uses his environment and, and the season and festivals yes. and everything around him to point to truth. To Which is what he does in all of these I am statements. Right. He uses what's around him. And I like to say, me being a student minister, He's like, he's like the best student minister. We kind of enjoy like, ah, just find an object. I'll make it somehow apply to God and Jesus. And look at this trash can. Throw your sin away. We kind of grab things. He does that very well, right? About just the things that are around him, whether it's a fig tree and vines and uh-huh. light and sheep or what, a boat, whatever it is. Mm. He does really good at, um, he does a really good job at that. And so, um, yeah, so we're going to jump in today. So if you have your Bible, you may be in your car, you may, whatever, you don't have your Bible, that's fine. But if you want to go back, we're going to be in John 8. Yeah, and if you want the setup on these seven statements, if you want setup on the book of John, bounce back to last week. Episode one. Yeah. Num- number one episode, we kind of <laughs> like the first part of it, we kind of go through the big setting of Tell you a little bit John. about John. We tell you yeah. about these seven statements and what their purpose is in the overall book of John. Yeah, so this may seem like we're jumping straight into it, but we are assuming you've and done your homework. <laughs> yes, we're assuming that you've done your homework. So um, we're going to jump into his um, second statement is, I am 
the light. So when we kind, when we look at this, again, I think it's important to look at the setting where he is. So he is in the temple. He is in the temple walls. And I don't know about you, but for me, I do not, I have not done a ton of research on like the layout and structure of the temple of the day. I know it's really interesting. It's very and, interesting. And intentional. It's very I intentional. It. I don't know a lot about it. So doing research on this, it was really cool. I don't know a lot about the Feast of the Tabernacle. Mm. Like that's not something that we do. They are really good about having festivals mm. and feasts and other traditions right. that they for light and for water and for different things. And so we don't have that. We need to do that. We need, we got to break up these long stretches of the year where there's no holiday. Well, when it's like religious, which this is a religious yeah. one, what we have, we got Easter and we got Christmas. Christmas. That's pretty much it. Right? That's pretty much it. And there's Are a lot, I feel like, and there's a lot to go. We should probably know more about <laughs> this. There's a lot that go into Easter, right? Yeah. So like every day we have something that sure. week. Well, and, and in our tradition, we're just kind of coming around to that, really. Really, For a long yeah. time, it was just the day. But, um, you know, looking at Holy Week and, uh -huh. and Good, Friday Good Friday and Monday, Thursday, Thursday, all those things kind of stack up to a cool, not a cool, you know, like a, an experience. Uh, no, it's cool. A week-long yes. experience. Um, Where we just do Sunday and it's Easter and it's like, sweet, we got Easter Sunday. I'm going to dress in the seersucker. We're going to put the bow tie on. Come on. We're in the South. We're going to do it right. But it's like, there's a lot that goes on that week. Right. That get your mind ready for, um, for the events of Sunday. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so they do this very well. Mm -hmm. in the Jewish, and a lot more often. In the Jewish culture a lot more often. Mm -hmm. And again, we need to do this. We yeah. need to find some more. Let's find some stuff to Let's find celebrate. some stuff. Let's make Arbor Day a bigger deal. I don't know. It needs to be. Well, that you, might... you well, you're in your business, in your side hustle, for those that do not know about Chris Richardson, we're already jumping into it in <laughs> episode 2. Chris um he uh, oh, I'm forgetting the word. You restore, restore yeah. old axes yes. and hatchets mm -hmm. and meat cleavers. Really They're gorgeous. Weird, yeah. I own a few of them. <laughs> I've gotten as gifts. So Arbor Day for you, you're in the business of making things that tear down trees. That's okay. We get we, we tear down to build back up. And then you plant more. Yeah. You tear one down, you plant two. Okay. Trees. Arbor Day needs to be there. We got Labor Day, Memorial Day, whatever. We need to do this. But they do this very well. So Jesus is in the middle of this feast. Mm -hmm. And so he's in the temple preaching and a little bit of research of the temple. There's an area called the court of women. This is where women were allowed to go. Ladies court, ladies court. It's kind of middle. It was a court of women. It was also the court for men as well. Sure. Men can go all those, but this is just where the women could go. And it was right next to where the treasuries are. So where you bring your offering to, it's kind of this big area before and it's, and it's outside. Got it. it. It's, it's a court. It's outside. And this is what, what I've learned is the first place where there's actually kind of a raised up stage for people to speak. So mm -hmm. men and women, everyone can hear, not just the men that are inside the temple. Gotcha. And this is where Jesus is speaking. Okay. Now in this, there is four uh, lampstands. Now we're not talking about Revelation where there's mm -hmm. way more and we'll, for a later podcast getting into Revelation, which will be awesome. But so there's four lampstands and on each four, Lampstand is four golden bowls mm -hmm. that are the lights. 
and those are just around that court. And because of the texture of the walls, the walls of the marble and shiny, those lights reflect, those lamps reflect off of the wall and almost light up that city. Oh, it's cool. like super bright. Yeah. And so Jesus, again, using the things that are around him, makes this statement of, I am the light. Mm. You guys are here for this festival and they would have this festival and each night would, would be about the food or be about water and be about light, which Jesus earlier does. I'm the living water. Right. You know, he talks about that and here he's talking about, I am the light. And so he's again, just using the things around him and light was big for the Jewish people. It's big for us. It's well, light <laughs> itself is huge for us, but the, <laughs> The, the weight that light holds for them mm. is looking back into the Old Testament, looking at Psalms mm. and looking at Exodus 12 of this pillar of light in the day and night that guided the people through the wilderness. For us, yeah, we like lights and mm. we have this, but them, it, it, it held some spiritual religious significance to them. Yeah, so they've got a, a clear, direct connection between God and light. Yes. It's not some natural phenomenon. Yes. It's not a nice convenience. It's when they think of light, they think of... They think of God. Direction to, and being mm -hmm. led and and God himself as embodied in the light. Well, if you... Yeah, and if you jump into page one of the Bible, God... What was the first thing that he created? Light. Light. Yeah. Right. And so they look at that and look at Exodus and, and you know, your word is a lamp to my feet. Mm -hmm. We read in Psalms and other places of, hey, a lamp and this light, this guidance and have that. And so when, when Jesus makes a statement, mm -hmm. I am the light, he's not just saying, hey, you guys like light. It, it, it holds deep weight for the mm -hmm. people that heard this. Yeah. And he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing in that right there. So if we were in John eight. Mm -hmm. This is at 12. Now we have to make a little footnote here because your Bible probably has a footnote at the end of chapter seven. Mm -hmm. At the end of chapter seven, um, I am in the ESV. CSB. CSB. I'm in the ESV. It says the earliest manuscripts do not include 753 through 811. Mm -hmm. So story of the adulterous woman, which is an awesome story. Beautiful story. Love that story. We're not going to act like that didn't happen, but for this podcast, we're going to jump ahead. So you would have to read 752 and jump straight into 812. Right. They're boom, boom. They're back to back. So in 812, it says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true for I know where I come from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. Hmm. So he brings it here. Like we see almost every time with the I am statements, he makes these and the Pharisees and the religious leaders are like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Would you just say? You can't say that. But we also have to set the stage here, right, of they are actively, the religious leaders, mm -hmm. the Pharisees, they are actively trying to kill Jesus. Yeah, they've already kicked off their campaign to kill the guy. They're like, so every, they are, they are looking at every word he says, mm -hmm. be like, can we get him here? Right. Can we catch him here? And again, it is hard for me 
And it's hard for us because we have the Bible. We mm-hmm. believe in Jesus. We know that he is the son of God and he came to earth and died. He's the Messiah. Mm-hmm. We know all that. They didn't get it. Yeah. But imagine being in our church setting today mm-hmm. with all of our traditions, right. whatever kind of church setting you're in. I don't know what church or denomination or non-denomination or whatever part, if you're listening to this, you have some traditions. Right. You have a way that you do things. You have a way that you do things for years. Mm -hmm. And so do these people. Mm -hmm. And you have a man that comes and is flipping it upside down and is turning it around and saying, this is what you think, but it's really about me. I cut them a little bit of slack. Yeah. Because it would be hard for me. Yeah. It'd be hard for someone to come in here in church and be like, what you're doing is 100% wrong. And you're like, well, who are you to tell me I'm doing it wrong? (laughs) Yeah. What do you mean we're doing it wrong? That's the way we've always done it. Yeah. And, and so it, it, it's just really hard for them to just get it. And yeah. he wants them to get it. Yeah. And there, there's an element too um, where uh, status and political power is playing into the pushback. With those religious leaders, right? Right. And, and that's, that can still be a problem that we face today. It's... Um, if we allow a, a power dynamic to develop within our culture and our society where uh, the rule makers um, are elevated above everybody else uh, and then somebody comes along and says, no, you're doing this all wrong. Well, not only are you threatening what I see as sort of this cultural religious, religious. part of my life, but now you're also talking about my status and position and my in the authority community, and my status. Yeah. Uh, my wealth even. Yeah. Um, and so that's a dangerous place to be. Right. Yeah. I mean, for us working at a church, if we had somebody come in here and yelling at us saying nowhere in scriptures to say that you need to have a building, <laughs> you need to have full-time ministers. Why do you need a student minister and a connection minister? And you're yeah. like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's my livelihood. This <laughs> yeah. is how I get paid. This is how I provide for my family. Yeah. It would be hard for us to do yeah. that. It's easy for us to say, yeah, but it's Jesus. Yeah. But for them, again, they're still trying to wrap their heads around it. So he makes this claim, I am the light of the world, right? So 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so for a practical standpoint, which is what we like to do on this podcast, we like to, you know, like a thing I always say, we like to dissect mm-hmm. and then digest. There you go. How do we dissect God's word? How do we kind of not pick it apart, pull it apart, but what does it really mean? Mm. And then how do we digest it for ourselves today? Right. Reading this thousands of years later yeah. and, and applied to a world that is different. But again, God's word is living and it's active and it helps us today. What does it mean when Jesus says, I am the light of the world? Whoever walks you know, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I, I I just think this idea of, are we walking in light or are we walking in darkness? Because this is a free gift that Jesus gives to every single person. Mm. There's no like qualification under the, if you live here, if you look like this, if you go to this church, if you believe, no, if you believe me and believe who I am, you can have this light. Mm -hmm. And if you walk in this light, you will no longer walk in darkness. So for us, what does it mean to walk in darkness? Yeah. In in order for us to walk in light, we're going to know what not to walk in. Right. And so what does it mean to walk in darkness? Yeah. I think, um, you know, when you think about light, light is so powerful Mm -hmm. and, um, 
if you contrast light and darkness, um, the light is going to overpower the darkness every time. Yes. So we, we talked a little bit about this. We've both been in caves. Yes. You spent the night in a cave, which is just beyond me. Yeah, I cannot I, I even don't, imagine. I was probably in like dumb. fourth grade and in, it was through a YMCA camp that yeah. I went to in middle Tennessee and they took us and I can't remember Mammoth Cave. Yeah. That's a big cave. It's mammoth. It's yeah. huge. It's a, it's a massive cave. And it was a bunch of us as much. I don't know how many adults there were. There wasn't enough adults. Right. I just know that right there now. Never is. There's never enough adults, but they, we got to walk around the cave and there's like the bubblegum alley and all this like tight squeezes. Yeah. And I remember Sounds having to like awful. go through a box beforehand. They said, if you can fit in this box, then you can go the rest of the way because this is as small as it gets. I'm a hundred percent sure I wouldn't fit through whatever box you're talking about. It, I know that to be true. I think when I was in fourth grade, I was like, this is kind of small. <laughs> like what is good? Can our adults fit through? No this? grownups are going through. No grownups are going through this, but we did that and then there's this big area and then we all slept. Yeah. We all had our sleeping bags on the floor. Mm-mm. It was hard. Like Mm-mm. that's ridiculous. And I remember them turning the lights off. No way. And I said, everyone go to bed. And for us, it could have been midnight. It could have been four 30 in the afternoon. Cause yeah. who knows what time it is. You're in a cave. Yeah. It was the darkest thing I've ever been in, in my entire life. I'm, I am getting uneasy over here. Just thinking about that. So I remember, waking up as a kid does going, I gotta go to the bathroom. Now this cave was equipped with a bathroom. Okay. Uh, outhouse, I'm sure some sort of deal. I remember waking up going, I gotta go to the bathroom and I'm searching around and I can't find my flashlight. Oh no. But you're searching around in the dark. Like you're just using, you guys can't tell, but I'm like using my hand movements. I'm like (laughs) trying to feel the round that I put it in my pillow. I can't, I eventually hit my neighbor on accident. He's like, what? I'm like, give me your flashlight. I got to go pee. And he gave it to me. But if I didn't have that flashlight, I can't see my hand in front yeah. of my face. Yeah. It's so dark. It, it is almost indescribable if you haven't ever experienced total darkness, which I assume really only happens in, in cave. caves yeah. or in rooms that are specifically developed. Or deep, deep yeah. in the ocean, if yeah. you were one of those people. Um, and the experience of... A, being in total darkness, um, the uncertainty. You don't know. You can put your hand right in front of your face, and you can't see it. So there's, there's a lack of vision. There's a lack of direction. There's a lack of knowledge of your surroundings. But the interesting thing is you flick on one tiny little light. I mean, if you had a match. I'm telling you. Something small. You flick on one tiny little light in that total darkness, and suddenly far reaches of this room mm-hmm. are lit up. Yeah. And that's the power of, of light. And I think that's why it's such an awesome analogy. Yeah. It's such an awesome connection that Jesus is making here because that's the way he works in our lives. Um, we are in darkness outside of our union with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get that little spark and then all of a sudden, all these areas of your life are opened up and you have vision and you have yeah. direction and you can see where you're going. You know, outside of that union, it's darkness and there's confusion and questions. So I, I, that's what it means to me. Yeah. And, and this idea of maybe you've never been in a cave or you've been 
deep down in the ocean or you've been in this area, but you have been in your house before Yeah. where you get up in the middle of the night you have to go to the bathroom, you hear a noise, you want to go eat some pie. I don't know why you get up in the middle of the night. Don't be telling folks what I do at night. <laughs> Maybe you need some pie in the middle of the night. And you're like, I don't need to turn the light on. And you think, here's what, here's what it kind of means to me. You, you think you know the layout of your room. Mm-hmm. You think you know how to get from point A to point B in the dark. And you go, I don't need, I don't need to turn the lights on. I, don't need I know my, where I'm going. I don't need my cell phone. Yeah. I, I know where I'm going. I yeah. know where the couch is. I know where this is. But how many times do you do that and you stumble and you yeah what you don't know is there's a lego minefield (laughs) ready to ruin your day we have made jack keep all of his legos in his room one because of our little one-year-old twins like those are too small for the babies they are your room only jack and so thankfully i haven't dealt with that but there's other toys right and you kick things and you trip on things and you fall on things because you think you know where you're going Mm. you think you can walk in the darkness but you stumble so how many times in our spiritual life in our everyday life do we say, I don't need the light of God. Mm-hmm. I don't need Jesus. I know where I'm going. Right. And we continue to stumble. And you may look at your life, and this may be a self-evaluation. Mm. Look at your life and say, am I constantly stumbling? Am I constantly making these mistakes in my relationships, in my work, in my own life, in my own self? Yeah. And can you come to the place that say, I am living without the light. Yeah. Do I know where I'm going? Do I know where I'm Do going? I have Do I any mean, direction? Direction or guidance. Yeah. And God wants to help you with that. Yeah. Jesus says, I am there for you. Again, it is he free. He says, I'm the light. I'm the light. You want to have the true light? Yeah. Go to him. And so I think that's huge that, that he gives us light to go towards. Then if you go further into the New Testament, you look at Ephesians 2, um, it says that we are to become the sons of light too. So for us that have given our lives to God and given our lives to Christ and say, God, I'm going to follow your light the best I can. He gives us the invitation to say, you're sons of light as well. Like you yeah. get to be little lights. You get to be little mini me lights yeah. here on earth. Not that we are God-like, not, not that the we source. Are, yeah. are like Christ. Perfect. We are not the source. We are more like the moon. Right. We're a reflection. That reflects the light mm-hmm. of the sun to this because the light or the moon doesn't put off light. It just reflects it. Mm-hmm. And so for us in your everyday life, in your everyday walk, how are you reflecting God's light to other people, yeah. to the people at restaurants, uh, your kids, teachers, your kids, your spouses, your mm-hmm. coworkers, yeah. the person at the pig, the piggly wiggly. Yeah. How do you, everywhere we go, we should be reflecting God's light and that love and that mercy mm-hmm. and that grace and that peace other people yeah so they get to see the source yeah for him it's a dark world it's a dark world out there and and there's lots of pain and sadness um and really really awful things that go on um and our opportunity you know i'm not even going to say that it's a challenge let's frame this in a positive i mean it's a gift our 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 gift and our yeah. joy as followers of Christ is to be these little points of light scattered all across a dark world. And as the kingdom grows and as the community grows and bonds together, man, that light is just seeping out. Mm-hmm. And what did we say about the darkness? It cannot stand it cannot hide. against that light. Mm-mm. So that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, I, just that invitation. And, and, and it's a mindset and it's a gift and it's not... Uh, and it doesn't mean that your life's going to be perfect and it doesn't mean, but you have the opportunity to be a beacon of light 
for Christ mm-hmm. in your world and everywhere that you go. And, and that's, that is a calling that we have from God. Right. That's a gift that we have from God that we get to be his representation and we're fallen people and it's not going to be perfect, mm-hmm. but we can try to, yeah. we can try to get that light out everywhere. And so that was the little deal that I got from that of just me giving or, or me just reading this John eight, that I'm the light mm-hmm. and what other lights uh, we can go on this forever. We'll stop here. But what, what other things do we think are the lights, mm-hmm. right? Briefly, I think about, we have this bug catcher right outside, right? It's that blue orange light and the bugs, right? There are so many things that are trying to attract us to that light mm-hmm. that says, come here. This is what you need. This is what you want. This yeah. will make you this. Whatever that is to fill you, if it's status or it's money or it's followers or it's whatever it may be, there's there's things, there's there's bright lights that are fighting for you, mm-hmm. but there's the brightest light that wants you so badly that he gave his son for you, mm. that Jesus, the brightest light, the true light, the, the, the I am, I am light of the world says, I want you here mm. and we can kind of learn to decipher which light to go towards our life will be better. Yeah. And that, um, all right. So we have that in eight, John eight, 12, and then John nine, just like we said, we're going to skip that to the next episode where we talk about the good shepherd and we talk about the gate. Mm-hmm. So we're going to jump in into 11, but, just like I did, kind of look at the framework. You have a little framework to kind of set up this. Yeah, right. So next week we're going to talk about Good Shepherd and uh, Gate for the Sheep. And Jesus is making these statements in chapter 10 of mm-hmm. John. So we're going to go back, but um, important to understand the context kind of surrounding uh, this next story. You need to pick up something that happens right at the end of chapter 10. And Jesus makes this claim that he and the Father are one. And this is another one of those situations where the Pharisees cannot deal with (laughs) that. And they pick up stones uh, to try to kill him. Jesus escapes like he does. Like he does a lot. Crafty. And uh, he gets out of town. And so what scripture tells us is that he departs across the Jordan. He's going to put that body of water in between the people that are trying to kill him and himself and his disciples. Um, and he's going to the place where John had been baptizing. Okay. And so this is a two-day walk. That's important to remember for this story. They don't, you know, they don't have the train, no planes, nope. no automobiles. Yeah. They got to walk, guys. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, it's important and it, important and interesting to consider that so much of Jesus' time on earth was spent walking and talking and eating and drinking and laughing and spending time with this core group of guys that he chose to be around. Well, right. Well, and newsflash, if you have a red letter Bible where it's like all the words of Jesus are in red, that's not the only thing Jesus ever said. Right. We have so much or we have so little of what he really said. There was a lot of walking and there's a lot of talking Mm -hmm. and It'd be so cool to be a part of that. Right. Because I've been on hikes and Mm -hmm. I've been on road trips and you know, the road trips that you have in the car and this conversations you have and just to have that, you know, with Jesus. And so that two day walk was filled with 
some rich, rich content, I'm yeah. sure, for those disciples. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, as, as we've talked about before, we're trying to follow the example of Jesus. And I think we need to spend more time yeah. walking and talking and sitting down to meals and, and, and laughing. And putting the phone down. And putting the phone down and connecting with people. Because that's what you did when you walked two days from one place to another. Yeah. There was no... There, you looked at how beautiful a tree was yeah. and you enjoyed a fresh breeze, man. We got to do some of that stuff if we want to be like You are sounding Jesus. like a connections minister. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You're sounding like a connections minister. All here. right. So uh, rant aside, okay. it's a two-day walk from Bethany where, where the next little part of our story is going to take place. So he's two days from Bethany where his good friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus live. Mm -hmm. So he's two days away and he gets this message that Lazarus is sick. And uh -oh. it's like, not, he got the sniffles. He is really sick. He's sick, sick. And the implication is he's so sick. Jesus, if you don't come, he's going to die. We need you here now. So Jesus, I mean, he loves Lazarus. That's recorded in Scripture. We know he loves Lazarus. But he answers this message really confidently, but also in just like the weirdest way. He says, the sickness will not end in death. Notice he doesn't say the sickness won't lead oh. to death. And I think that's important here. We got to take a step back and just look at what this kingdom of God is all about. We see Jesus saying these things. If you want to find your life, you got to lose it. You lose your life to find it. We see John the Baptist saying, I must decrease so that he must increase. And this story is one more tick in that line yeah. of stories where Lazarus is going to have to experience physical death to experience a physical resurrection, right? Yeah. You can't, he, he could not have experienced the power that he experienced if he had not experienced death. So this is a picture of how um, spiritual life also comes through death. It's the death of ourself, right? Mm -hmm. As we lay down our own will and our natural uh, tendencies to live a life of Christ. And desires. Right? Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense. It's this upside down kingdom, but it was love that compelled Jesus to delay. Well, because it was his, I mean, it was his friend. It was his buddy. He right? loved, so he's like, so he waits, I gotta go. he waits two days. He waits two more days. Two more days before even starting the journey back. So, and the journey back is two more days. So that's a four day. So he's, he's going to be four days late. Ooh, but right I on bet time. Mary and Martha were upset. <laughs> he's going to be four days late, but he's going to get there exactly when he intended to get there. It's it's the disconnect between this perfect timing that God has for our lives and for His will, and that's in conflict with what we want. Well, and that is so, and that is so true. This again, we've you know talked about this before. I've even preached about this some of. How, how much do we want God to be this ATM God? Mm -hmm. God, help me now. What do I do now? Right. Be with me now. Mm -hmm. Help this person. And we like to put God on... On our timeline. On our timeline, on our stopwatch. Mm -hmm. And God's timing is different than our timing. God's right. timing is perfect. Whether we 
and our little pea-sized brains that we have that mm-hmm. we can even recognize it. We're like, God, no, if you were only here, and I'm sure Mary and Martha, we're going to get to it. Right. If you were here, yes. why didn't you get, we, you had plenty of time to get here probably. Yeah. We sent for you. We sent for you days, days ago. ago. What's what's going on? Yeah. And but I, man, I just I just love what you brought out that it's he didn't show up late. Right. He got there exactly when he intended he to get there. He got there when he wanted because he's he got something better in mind. Yes. So they wanted don't let him die. Right. Jesus goes. I'm about to show you something else. So this is another one of the situations. We this keeps coming up. Mary and Martha and Lazarus believe in Jesus. Oh, yeah. But they think he's a healer. They don't even comprehend that he has the power of God to raise a man from the dead. No, they know that he has done other miracles. Right. You have healed the blind and healed the sick, and you have done all these things. Surely you can heal him. But he's about to show them. But, they're, but it's right. Their brain is not in the, in the place of, you can also raise people from the dead. Right. You have power over death. Yep. That's not even in their category of what he can do. Right. So, so he, just wait. Yeah. So he shows up four days later than they would have preferred him to show up. And Mary and Martha and the Jews, they all share the same confusion. And in fact, Scripture actually records Mary and Martha separately ask Jesus the exact same question. They say, Lord... It's not a question. They, they, Where is this? Where they, is this? they make a statement. Um, I think verse 21 okay. for Martha and then later on for Mary. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I hear anger. I hear confusion. Frustration. I hear disappointment and frustration. And man, can we relate to that? Like, And that's the enemy that's whispering in Martha's ear. It's like, man, you sent for him four days ago clearly he doesn't love you as much as you think he does yeah he's not who he says he is and we experience the same thing when we when we mary and martha sent out a messenger to jesus and we send out messengers to god we pray pray. and, and and we worship and we say god we need you now and when god doesn't show up the enemy's there whispering see he doesn't love you He's not who you think he is. And so we see this moment. We see this moment that happens over these two verses. We've got verse 21. Read me verse 21. Verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So this is the human point of view. This is our, this is our flesh. And I just want to say, like, when you have your verse 21 moment, when you say, God, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. That's... I don't think we can control that. That's natural. Well, and then when we read, which is hard to kind of understand that, I'm like, that's kind of harsh. Have you ever read the Psalms? (laughs) Yeah. There is so much of this lamenting in the Psalms that it was, how long, O Lord? Mm -hmm. Where are you, God? I need you and you have forsaken me. Mm. Where are you at? And it's, it is okay to have that feeling toward God. If if you're having your verse 21 moment right now where you're saying, God, where are you? Where were you when this thing happened to me? We, I get it. That, yeah. that, is, that, is, a, that is so natural for us. It, it's the confusion and the doubt and the fear. But what Jesus offers us is a verse 22 moment. Read me verse 22. 
But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. That's faith. So we've got verse 21, which is from the flesh, from the human perspective. But verse 22, she's able to, to move to a place of kingdom vision, yes. of understanding that she's part of a larger story. And she says, even now I know that God's going to give you whatever you, whatever you ask. But, but Martha's not quite off the hook yet. Yep. Because um, what we see is that she still doesn't fully grasp what Jesus is there to do. Um, because, let me get this pulled up. So, so in 25, mm -hmm. so, so after that, and I know they'll raise again in the resurrection of the last day, mm -hmm. verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Mm. And I bet that hit like a ton of bricks. That do you believe, believe this? this? So, so, so Martha said, I know he's going to be raised in the, in the, in the last day. Mm -hmm. See, the, the idea of resurrection was an idea in their culture at the time. There was debate over it. There was infighting over mm -hmm. it. But, but Martha is clearly putting her foot in the camp of, I do believe that there's going to be a resurrection. Yes. And then Jesus says... The resurrection is standing right in front of you. Do you believe it? And then I love what happens next. Because what Martha says is she says, Yes, Lord, I believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. <laughs> She's saying, Yes, Lord. But what she actually means is, No, Lord. Because what Jesus just said is crazy. He's saying he's, he is the one who gives life. And he's standing in front of you. Martha says, I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're what, <laughs> what I can comprehend and know. Right. I believe you're this, but it seems to me, Jesus, you're saying that you're a little bit more than that. Right. And, and that's clear because she goes on to say later, don't open that tomb. It stinks in there. She, does, she still doesn't understand what Jesus is about to do. Like, still thinking it's going to be this later day. That's right. When this resurrection on the last day. Well, of course we all believe in that, Jesus. Of right. course we believe that that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you got to believe in the true resurrection. Right. And, again, a little foreshadowing of Jesus of what's going to happen at the end of his life. Of like, hey, I am the true resurrection. Right. I can do it to myself. Mm -hmm. I, I will. But I'm, I'm also going to start here and just show you what I can do. Again, I give them some credit. Yeah. They've never seen this before. Yeah. They know that he can heal people. Mm -hmm. They know that the sight and the walk and... It's piece by piece. He's, yes. It's building this piece you by can, piece. But this idea of being the resurrection itself and, the, and to comprehend that he could even do this is not on her radar yet. No. But it's about to be. It's very close. It's about to be. So what, what Jesus says is, do you believe that I am who I say I am? Martha says, I believe you're the Messiah which had a very specific cultural expectation. It was going to be a political leader. And Jesus says, Jesus says, no, no. And we know how the story goes from there. Jesus goes to the tomb. There's a crowd of people there. Mary and Martha are there. He weeps with them. He weeps with them. And why does Jesus cry and weep? It's not because he knows that this is the end for his friend Lazarus. I think it shows that that God, that Jesus is with us in our pain 
and he feels our pain with us like a brother and can enter into it with us. And we know that whatever it is we're going through, we've got Jesus right there with us. And he's not standing over us saying, get over it. Yeah. Let's move on. He's He's, he's kneeling beside you, weeping with you. Whatever season of life you're in, Jesus is right there with you. I, I think about this verse whenever I go to a funeral. Mm. And usually when I go to a funeral, that is not someone that I am close to. So mm. for me being in ministry, you end up going to way more funerals than you want to go to. And mm. it's usually people you don't really know, or it's relatives of people that you do know, right? right. So you go to these funerals, and yes, I am sad. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm sad for a loss, and it may have been like a horrible accident. It may just have been a long life. It, whatever it is, I usually don't get choked up Mm -hmm. because of the funeral. Right. I get choked up seeing my friend who is crying over somebody else. That's exactly right. And then I get choked up being like, oh, my friend is hurting Mm -hmm. and is sad for their loss. And so I I always get teary-eyed when I'm at a funeral, whether or not, and it's really, even even if I don't know that person, it's like they're crying because they're so sad. And, And so I think about Jesus who, again, kneeled down, was with them. He was weeping, he was crying at the hurt of loss and the hurt of pain. Yeah, that's the picture of Jesus here. And then we know, we know how this story goes. Jesus tells him to roll the stone away. And he says, Lazarus, come out. Let's go, buddy. And a dead man gets up from his grave and walks out. Can you imagine? No. And Jesus says, take those grave clothes off of him and let him go free. Because he's alive. Incredible. Incredible. And I'm telling you, if you want to know why we do this, Mm -hmm. if you want to know why Justin and I have, have dedicated our lives in so many ways to serving Jesus, it's because we have seen dead people come back to life. We've seen ourselves. I was a dead man who came back to life. And Jesus said, take that burden off of him. Unwrap him. Take, take that sin off of him. Take whatever's weighing him down off of him and let him go. And I'm walking in that freedom. Yes. And that's what Jesus offers to everybody. To and that's everybody. what, that's what gives, gives us energy. Yeah. That's what keeps us excited. Uh, and, and man, what it says is after, after Lazarus came back from the dead, that they had a huge party celebration and we got to get better at partying when people are woken up from the dead. Absolutely. That's what I think. I I mean, I'm about to take you down to Walmart and we're about to give you a speaker out here and just start letting you (laughs) preach, buddy. We're going to start. You guys can't see Chris. I I get real animated. I I had the luxury of sitting across the table from him and he is, he is getting it and we're going to keep going here. Um, but I just love, yeah. I love these two stories. I love that Jesus is, kind, like we talked about last week, we think we understand who he is. They thought they understand who he is. And he peels back these layers of the kingdom of God. It's so these rich. It's so layers. complex. It's so beautiful. But you got to do the work to uncover it, to understand who he is. And to fully. And so that's our, I mean, really, to be honest with you guys that are listening, we didn't spend two weeks researching this. Yeah. We spend a little bit of time, you know, and there's different resources online and you have to check sources and make sure that they're credible. But 
finding this stuff it is not just reading it for God's word, which is which is great, and it's what you should do. But it's also you get to see those layers a little bit more when you do a little more research and yeah. do a little more context research on, I mean, like the four day walk, yeah. right, or the two day walk and the yeah. two day waiting. Like that is so interesting. Lots of smart people who have done a lot of who've really done a lot good of smart people that that just illuminate, and it just helps us to see illuminate like the light, the light. like the lamp nailed stands. it got it um man so we hope that you guys enjoyed this we enjoy doing this study next week we got the i am the gates gate for the sheep the gate for the sheep the good I shepherd good shepherd for the sheep we're gonna be talking about man we're gonna sheep. be talking about it's gonna get sheepy up in here <laughs> next week uh it's gonna be awesome we hope that you guys like this um episode two hey if you do Give us a five-star rating. Share this with your friends. friends. Um, We are on Spotify, and we are on Google, and we are on Apple Podcasts. Mm -hmm. We're on those right there. So give it a listen. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We enjoyed doing this for you. Um, You guys have a good week. See you all next time. Bye.